Good evening. This is Radio Free Bichelle. I'm Alphonse. Tonight, Discourse, the Demon of Social Justice. My very first episode was the case for social justice, but I indicated I didn't buy it. And now I want to return to that issue, and I want to continue from where I left off and draw together some of the threads from the episode so far. What I said before is one of the core ideas of social justice is language, that language shapes the world and that it acts and speaks through us. And so language really matters. And I take pains to avoid jargon terms where I can, but the word that's used for this is discourse. And I'm going to draw on a definition from a book that's commonly used by college and university students in the social sciences, titled Communication, Cultural, and Media Studies, Key Concepts, 3rd Edition. Now I'm going to read from the book. The potentially infinite senses any language system is capable of producing are always limited and fixed by the structure of social relations which prevails in a given time and place, and which is itself represented through various discourses. So we can't say anything we want. And if language is so important, if language shapes the world, we can't make any world we want. It's limited by discourses. I'll continue. Individuals don't simply learn languages as abstract skills. On the contrary, everyone is predated by established discourses in which various subjectivities are represented already. For instance, those of class, gender, nation, ethnicity, age, family, and individuality. So here we have a list of identity categories. Now this book is from 2003. It doesn't include the term intersectionality. But that's basically what it's talking about. Let me continue. We establish and experience our own individuality by inhabiting numbers of such discursive subjectivities. In other words, our identity is an intersection of these different categories, these different identities, and they are the defining features. We may have some unique individuality, but the most important thing is the ruts, the guides that are laid down by the pre-existing discourses. We can't stray too far from that. I'll continue. The theory of discourse proposes that individuality itself is the site, as it were, on which socially produced and historically established discourses are reproduced and regulated. As I said, language speaks through us. Language is doing the speaking. We are the site. We are the territory. And we are also a battleground. Quote, Discourses are power relations. It follows that much of the social sense-making we are subjected to in the media at school, in conversation, is the working through of an ideological struggle between discourses. This is a theory that makes discourses, language, the most important thing. It makes human beings the territory on which discourses battle as though they are gods, and we are puppets. We're like ants down on the ground, and the territory they occupy, the territory they win, is us, and they act through us. But it's the discourses that matter. So I could ask, is social justice effective? Is it making life better for the marginalized people that it claims to represent? But if you look at the objective of social justice, if that objective is to change discourses, then yes, it is. Even if there's greater racial strife, even if there's greater sexism and greater conflict between the sexes, 
So it makes perfect sense in a world where discourses shape reality, where discourses battle each other through the medium of people, that the way they do that is by controlling what people say. Censorship is not a regrettable aspect of social justice in this understanding. It's an essential feature. But my critique of social justice isn't just about its ideas. It's about where it comes from. This idea of discourses is the belief of a professional elite. And that professional elite are produced in our educational institutions. And one of the primary functions of those institutions, as I've said, is to train people to conformity. And it is to teach them to use language. This theory of discourses is a perfect fit for the skill set that we are producing. And this idea that discourses act and people are basically puppets or marionettes is something we see all around us. Not only advocates of social justice talk about people this way. Across the political spectrum, we have people accusing their opponents of being NPCs, pod people, or sheep. There's a widespread belief that other people are possessed, that they're not authentic individuals, although, of course, the person saying that thinks that he or she is. So this idea that people are like puppets or sheep, that's why I talk about demons. This is almost an idea that people are possessed by discourses. Discourses like race, as I spoke about in my previous episode. Discourses are the demons of social justice. The battle between the discourses, these invisible, imagined social constructions, actually takes place through conflicts among people. But it's the discourses that are primary. I find this profoundly dehumanizing. The pandemic has laid bare that the social justice movement, it seems to me, is just an expression of something deeper. Because the authoritarian pandemic response shares so much in common with the social justice movement, and yet its content, health, is so different, there must be something deeper at work. Now, of course, social change on this scale has multiple converging causes. But one key one jumps out at me. John Michael Greer has talked about this, Paul King's North, and others. And that's the narrative of progress. Our elites, produced by our educational institutions, their elite status is justified on the basis of making the world better. It's justified on the basis of progress. And, indeed, the vast majority of them call themselves progressives. The idea that technology and society are improving hand-in-hand. The idea that we can make and become better people. But that narrative is breaking down. We look around us and we see a society and a civilization in decline. And this threatens the very reason for being for these elites. If progress justifies their status, if progress justifies their moral superiority, what happens when progress breaks down? Well, how do human beings respond to bad things? As I've said several times before, we don't like to think it's just chance. We don't like to blame it on impersonal forces. We want someone to blame. And social justice does this. It doesn't just blame discourses. It blames the people who are possessed by those discourses. It identifies scapegoats. And the pandemic does exactly the same. And I think that's an excellent candidate for why we're seeing social justice and why we're seeing the response to the pandemic that we are.
But those deeper causes are a topic for next season. This is the final episode in the first season of this podcast. I'm going to take a break now. I'm not sure for how long. Social justice was the theme of this first season. And almost every episode, although I usually didn't state it, had at its heart a critique of some aspect of the social justice movement. But when I come back, I'm going to talk about what I think are perhaps deeper forces, issues like technology, technocracy, and the narrative of progress. Until then, this is Alphonse for Radio Free Bichelle, www.bezel.ca. Good night.